Card presents Back Issue Bloodbath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. Protecting the galaxy, cause hell, somebody's gotta fucking do it. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week, in honor of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 hitting theaters last week, we're doing a look at the 2008 Guardians of the Galaxy comic. It ran for two years, 2008 to 2010. And it's basically where not only the impetus of these Guardians movies comes from because of the characters that are in it, but also this particular one, although I have not seen it yet, seems to lean heavily into a lot of the artistic and storyline choices from this particular comic series. I had actually read it back when the first movie came out. I had read this series because it was available in two trades and I checked it out. Is this the first time you've gotten a chance to check out this series? Yeah. And it was a slog. Not going to lie, my guy. It finishes great, but it starts off rough. It's sort of like the first time you have bourbon. Okay. <laughs> okay, maybe it doesn't end up that good or and it doesn't end up bad. So, but it 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 starts off there's just a lot, lot a lot a lot of uh expo exposition. It's not even like the first issue, it's like the first I'm going to say like a smooth 10 before you stop getting like super super crowded panels. But then she really picks up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And by the end, it's just pretty panel action, pretty panel action. And yeah, we'll get into it. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So the series was written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning with uh, the first seven issues drawn by Paul Peltier and then the remaining issues 8 to 25 alternating between Brad Walker and Wes Craig. And it is a series that directly comes out of the Annihilation events. So if you're a long-time listener of Basketball Beth, you know that the first episode we ever did was on Civil War. And you also know that when Petula came on the show, she talked about her problems and pains with Civil War as well. Mm. So we were all going through that pain back in 2006. But people that loved cosmic characters were like, fuck that shit. I'm reading Annihilation. And from anybody who I've ever talked to that loves cosmic characters, they loved the two Annihilation miniseries. So Annihilation and Annihilation Conquest. And so that was happening while we were suffering through Civil War. And it gave birth to this series. There was work that was being done during that event by Abnett and Landing because they were writing particular books and they were setting up this team within that series because these were all characters that were fighting against the Nihilus and the Phalanx in those two stories. And the idea was Peter Quill looked around after the second uh, Annihilation event and went, we've almost lost the galaxy twice. And by something that could, could destroy worlds upon worlds upon worlds. And they happen like back to back. We should have maybe somebody like watching what's going on in the galaxy, in the universe, to make sure that this doesn't creep up on us again. And he especially felt that it had to be his job because in Annihilation Conquest, when they dealt with the Phalanx, it was Peter Quill's fault that the Phalanx got their way into the galaxy. So... He's sitting there on Nowhere, the uh, Celestial's head that is uh, also a uh, kind of a way station, a uh, little mini planet. And he's talking with a number of the uh, the people that he that just saved the galaxy with and said, we should form a team. And so some conniving, convincing happened, and then they became a team. Brainwashing. And they, well, we didn't get to that. <laughs> <laughs> they started to 
focus on the problems that are out there, particularly one that Adam Warlock noticed where there was basically a fissure happening through the galaxy. There was like a big hole, a big rip in the galaxy was sucking things in and was going to pull it to another universe, which was later found out to be referred to as the Cancerverse, where nothing ever dies. Things just keep living, and but they keep taking up resources and everything like that. So their main goal was to close those things up. And on their first couple of missions, they have some successes, and they screw the pooch on some. And then halfway through, it's revealed that, ah, to make sure that everybody said yes to this whole deal, Peter Quill had Mantis kind of give them all the suggestion that they should. Yeah, I saw a post on LinkedIn today where Recruiter Advocate was talking about getting booed at an event. And when he followed up with one of the people who booed him, he got the answer. Recruiters are trash, bro. But he wasn't debating this so much as he was also showing a job posting where they deliberately posted the job as remote, but it was an on-site job. And they legit say in the job posting, posting is remote for visibility. So it's like you get the people might have a preference and you are deliberately posting your job to people who don't want to physically have to go to an office every day, but you're posting this remote so they can see it. I don't know who's shadier, Peter or whoever posted that job, but <laughs> all I'm saying is, uh, yeah, like just be upfront with people when you're recruiting them. Yeah, it's a fair point. Most yeah. of the people would have said yes anyways. Yeah. And if they didn't, then they weren't the right fit for the team. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting that he was like, I'm going to get Mantis to put that power of suggestion, that suggestion into their minds that, yes, I should join this team, but neglected to do it with Richard Ryder, the last remaining Nova of the Nova Corps. Was he like, he's too much of a leader. I can't have him cramp my style. Like, that was the one thing that was interesting to me. He's like, oh, everybody except Ryder. Interesting. Everybody except Nova. Was it his charisma? I don't know. But that they just needed of... him on another title somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That was another book that they were writing. <laughs> yeah. Nova Volume 4, also by Abnett and Landing. So they just, they conveniently had it that he did not get that mental suggestion. Yeah. I think we're giving Peter too much credit. <laughs> yeah. He probably might have just forgot. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There's yeah, a but he was asking Mantis to do it. And Mantis, yeah. she seems to be the person, you know, on who's on the ball here. She She's kind of like the executive assistant that makes sure the executive actually gets the job done. The one who's doing all the work. She's exactly. the Exactly. She remembers everything. Yeah. So I I think she'd remember to put the suggestion in Nova's head as well. So who knows? Maybe it was her decision. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she's like, can't have him around. That'll cramp Peter's style. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at team chemistry, tweaks can always be made. There were interesting subgroups. Mm. I don't know if the whole team worked seamlessly together. Some miscommunication. Uh, some people refuse to or are unable to adjust their style of play to serve the team's needs when they need to adapt. Looking at you, Quasar, when you're uh, trying to be diplomatic. Yeah, Phyla like, Lavelle is like, truly, she's like, I'm doing this, but yeah. I kind of have a secret allegiance to Adam Warlock, and I really just want to bring my ex-girlfriend back from the dead. Those are the yeah. things I'm really focusing on, guys. So if yeah. I have to, like, turn my back on the person I see as my mentor and maybe stab him in the chest and bring about total Armageddon, I will, as long as yeah. I get my girlfriend back. <laughs> yeah, and start beef with the Inhumans. Whatever. It's cool. It's fine. They were definitely the reality show. If you were looking at casting these people as a reality show, definitely the I'm not here to make friends. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Drax was surprisingly thoughtful. Even in the story, I think it was a nice, I don't even call it arc, more like a wobbly line for him where it's definitely more stabby, stabby, look at my cool knives, which I'm going to say the art on the knives, like I want those knives. (laughs) And then the moment later on towards the back third where he's recovered from being attacked with all the pain he's ever inflicted. And in his camera confessional, this really is written like it's a reality show. Or debrief, yeah. but they yeah they do the, come they, off more like they use Big brother confessional room exactly they use yeah. the idea of them all recording like a star log as a you know like a talking head device in this which of course the confessionals and everything in reality TV they use the talking head device all the time yeah his moment of you know I had to confront all of the pain I've ever caused I should thank them for that I mean he does mean to thank them with violence as well but I also feel like. <laughs> There's a bit of like a a kind of a therapy moment. But there's also like a definitely a laid backness to his killing. They'll be in the situation and they're like, Drax, what are you going to do? He's like, well, I could stab him. I could do that. I got a knife. I could stab him. I know how to stab him. And they're like, thanks for that, Drax. We need something bigger than that. But that's like. (laughs) I'll be here like ready to stab though if like you want that. Yeah. If you need somebody to stab something, I'm right here, guys. I'm good. They're like, all right. All right. Yeah. But yeah, it is a big cast though. Like, it's bigger than what we see in the movies. Now, the movies are slowly getting to the kind of size of team that we see in the comics. And I feel like this third one is going to be the closest to what this comic has in regards to a team. Of course, you got Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, you got Gamora, you got Drax, you got Groot. But then you've also got Adam Warlock, Phyla Quasar, Cosmos, you've got Mantis, Major victory from the original Guardians of the Galaxy, a time-displaced character who can't remember any of his own personal history except that he was on the original Guardians of the Galaxy, which is where Rocket gets the name, which I thought was very cute that they're like, oh, we're just going to steal the original Guardians name. We just heard it. That sounds cool. So you got this huge team. And then, uh, of course, um, Jack joins the team later in the book as well. Like, this is a big-ass team. Yeah, Jack's whole hair look with the ravager outfit it's very i could see that whole fit at a january 6 kind of energy <laughs> yeah the idea is that he's supposed to be very um, um, american in his look very like red white and blue but he's just spent time because of the whole civil war thing he spent time in the negative zone prison and is kind of now in a position of like i just fucking hate shit i'm tired yeah. i'm done I'm stuck out here in space. I hate fucking space. I hate cosmic yeah. shit is his like actual That's a great runner. Line. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great runner. Yeah. <laughs> he is very much the uh, Danny Glover of this book. I'm too old for this shit type stuff. Yeah, definitely. And so you got that. And they're all trying to have their time in the book. And for the most part, I think they do a good job of giving most people they're due in the book with the exception of Gamora. Gamora is actually like a tertiary character that's there because she was with Richard Ryder at the start, but also has the long on and off again relationship with Adam Warlock. So it's very much like Gamora, even though she's like this very powerful, like put a man in front of me, I'll fuck him or I'll kill him. I'll have my way with him and I'll move on. She's still kind of plays the girlfriend role in this book 
She's always kind of like so on somebody else's mission, never on her own. And very impractical outfits. Yeah. Like of everyone. Although there's like a cute moment where like, you know, baby mantis grows up and is just clutching a pile of clothes over her bits. But <laughs> yeah, it's a kind of a rip on a mystique look too. Cause she does like a skull belt look sometimes that's like, Oh, so we just in Marvel, if you're a colored lady, and I mean, like, you know, blue, yellow. Yeah, the color wheel, whatever. yes. Like, your aesthetic will always be belt, but make it a skull. Very Alexander McQueen. So, you know, I'm not mad at it. I love, like, my big chunky rings. It's just, I felt like her look was the least useful for uh, tactical moments. Great. Very eye-catching. And I think just to visually separate her from mantis that might have been a choice that they made when they were sort of coming up with the character design because mantis mm-hmm. tends to be a little more a little more wear the uniform yeah. yeah yeah where the and a lot of those panels in the first third where i was like a bit of struggle bus because of just the density and the amount of exposition and even some of the action in the beginning it was just like very crowded panels and not always easy to see who was doing what I think that's where maybe the difference in her apparel makes a little more sense. But towards the end, it's like, we got room. Like it, it opened up a lot in the back yeah. third. Yeah. So it's like, you could have given her like a sensible pair of slacks. But you also could have know. given her like a plot line. That would be cool. Cause like, even yeah. like at the moment yeah. that it's like, oh, they might give her something with the whole, when something happens with Adam Warlock in the book that uh, kind of puts him on the, opposing side of the guardians there's this one moment where they believe that gamora will be brainwashed into joining him and it's just written off with one line where she goes nah it's like oh you could have like shown her own internal struggle or something you know but that's the one character that i feel they give nothing to in this book whereas everybody else at least gets like one plot line of some kind even if like the plot line is small like rocket raccoon really doesn't have a story in this book except that he's kind of like the plan guy who keeps the team on track while Mantis handles like business at home. Rocket's kind of the real guy that's helping Peter out there in the field. So at least he has that story. And same thing with Mantis has her story of like, I'm keeping everything together at nowhere with nowhere and everything like that. Like they at least have those things. Gamora doesn't even have that in this book, which again, I feel like they put too many characters in this book and then Mm -hmm. just forgot about one. So it's very busy. It's very busy. Yeah. And in the beginning, I can understand you talking about the amount of exposition in the beginning. And it's because they have to explain a, the fact that there's these big temporal fissures opening up and they're trying to close them, that there is a gigantic movement called the universal church that gets their powers off their believers and that gives them actual powers but they have this whole plan of bringing their savior into the world but their savior may or may not be here already with adam warlock or maybe somebody else then on top of that you've got phyla's quest to figure out what happened to moon dragon and possibly bring her back from the dead. So that's continually being touched upon. And then there's the actual diplomacy and political standings of every planetary race that lives on nowhere. And so we get the political stuff there, and that has to be explained. And they still try to fit in a very, very loose tie-in to Secret Invasion by having a, there might be scrolls on the, the station, story as well 
That all happens within the first 12 issues. Oh, also yeah. they split up. But when do we group. find out about Leandra, Lillian, whatever, the Telshiar lady, Charles' uh, side piece? Oh, that's, I believe that's in the second half. That's in the yeah. second half. But yeah. yeah. But also but yeah, within it's the like first 12 issues, they all break up because they find yeah. out about the, the Mantis brainwashing. They all break up as a team and go off on different stories, then come back together at the end, also bringing back Moondragon from the dead and Adam Warlock kind of making a deal with the Universal Church. All of that happens in the first 12 issues, and it's a lot. It's so, yeah. a lot. And the, and the panels are dense. The, the confessional kind of motif that they use persists throughout the 25 issues, but they use it a lot more in the first third. Mm. And... Again, because this is cosmic stuff, you're getting busy, beautiful panels, lots of creature stuff, lots of background stuff, lots of colors. So it's almost like you're fighting for dominance with all of these like very wordy sections where, again, once you get past that first section, it, it opens up more and more towards. And then the back third, it's easy breezy. Like your eyes can like enjoy all of the beautiful colors and the fight scenes and the explosions and the sort of splash panels but in the beginning it was whoo child it was a lot yeah yeah but with that being said i still found paul peltier the first artist to be the best artist of the group i kind of like how the look of the book was for the first seven issues that was kind of like in my head when i was rereading it i had forgotten and thought the entire series had been drawn by peltier and then as the series went on i was like oh okay no there's other artists I don't remember that, but yeah, there they are. And so while I think that, of course, Wes Craig and Brad Walker do great work in the back half of the book, I just remembered the Paul Peltier art. I mean, I liked all of the art. Oh, all the art's good. It's just in my mind, I think the best was the beginning. Maybe it was. I just, I know I could appreciate the stuff at the end more. Right, right. Because I could see everything that was going on. <laughs> I didn't feel like it was, it was just, it was so busy. So busy. A lot of text. And we talked about how different uh, creators collaborate to, you know, some it's just, here's the script, you take this and we're completely separate from me. And then, you know, we'll just put the words on top and, you know, half of your art is covered. Mm. And then some who really try to collaborate more. I don't know what was going on in that first third, but then maybe it's just there was so much story to tell, but it's like they had 25. And, and again, Maybe this was one of those, you never know how many issues you're going to get. You never know when something's going to get canceled. So like, let's just like overstuff that turkey at yeah. the beginning. But Very, once you hit like 17, you're like, okay, like they're going to let us finish. <laughs> but in a way they didn't. Like, it's very obvious in that last issue, it was like, this is your last issue, quickly wrap it up. So like there's stuff that happens off panel we don't see that's explained. Now, apparently any loose plot threads that were there were kind of wrapped up in the 2011 Thanos series. I can't remember what it was called. It was in a, it was a mini event. So it was wrapped up there, but for the most part, they kind of had to quickly tie everything up at the very end. And even like, there's still some things that don't get hundred percent wrapped up and it's like, Oh, okay. Well, that was quick based on everything they were setting up. That last issue was kind of anticlimactic and it's very obvious that they were told, yeah, you're canceled. Wrap it yeah. up. Yeah, I think, and I don't know if this was in the second or third last, where, despite the fact that I agree with you, Gamora didn't get a lot to do story-wise. You got a great, her fighting panel. I don't even know who's doing the art at this point. Oh, and that's Brad Walker, yeah. There we go. That was probably one of my favorites. The bloody blade, the let's get full focus on thighs, arms, battle growl, like hairs just looking fantastic. 
it's a good look. It's a great look for her. It's probably one of like her best standalone moments in mm. the 25 outfit. Still preposterous, but she's pulling it off. So of this entire big team, though, who was the most interesting to you in the series? Cosmo. Cosmo, eh? Yeah. Love a pupper. I'm actually surprised they haven't used him more in the movies. I well, mean, they just started a company that's about selling toys and stuff. They gender swapped uh, the character in the movie. Uh, in and it is the, the Cosmos is in Volume Three and was also in the Christmas special because they had they didn't start using Nowhere as a base in the in the movies until the Christmas special so that's kind of when finally Cosmo gets the moment to shine but in this Cosmo is written very much like um, Yakov Smirnov like you picture Cosmo going in Soviet Union <laughs> yes but also just kind of like beleaguered like ugh, these guys like I'm just trying to do my job. You know, punch in, punch out as head of security and just shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. He definitely has like an old man feel like, I I've been around this a while, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. And their interaction with Rocket, it they definitely acknowledge each other's sort of anthropomorphism kind of begrudgingly, but also respectfully, like the way they interact. Yeah. I do like that as well. Yeah, they were probably one of my favorite characters. And I don't think they had, did they not have any of the uh, camera confessional moments? Or if they did, they were very few. Or maybe yeah, not at all. That I, I don't think yeah. so. Maybe that's why I liked it, because they were just doing stuff. Like, I didn't yeah, have to, well, like, he, keep track uh, of, like, their thoughts and feelings. They were very clear with, like, yeah. how they felt about constantly having to try to squash beef that the Guardians had occasionally on purpose, but often not on purpose caused. Mm, yeah, uh, I think probably one of my favorite moments with him is when they go back in time, but they also are time displaced in their age. So he becomes a puppy again. And so all of his thoughts, because of course he's projecting his thoughts because that's how he interacts with people. He interacts telepathically. <laughs> he keeps going, do you want to play with me? Do you and I thought that was hilarious. Like so the cute. giant robot is about to yeah. die. He's like, maybe this will play with me. You know? <laughs> it was so adorable. Yeah, no, totally. And I think it's because I had no expectations when I saw Cosmos going to be in there for the duration. I was like, really? The dog? But hey, I'm the kid that asked to get taken to see Howard the Duck. So, Oh, you poor child. <laughs> I, I love the anthropomorphized like, animal. Right. It's all about that. I yeah. So. Groot was, we had a teensy bit of like baby plant Groot, but then mostly it was like um, super jacked monster Groot. Uh, yeah. there's a there's a great like entish foot smash towards the end that i did enjoy and again i think that's the other thing the back third had much more of the comedy moments mm. yeah like that i would come to expect not just from guardians but just also from like comics in general where you have like these moments of humor to sort of break up the tension right there's a moment where peter asks what could possibly go wrong and flag starts to answer well my experience with this team so far has rockets like Jackie's being so yeah, <laughs> just like a few moments. There's more of that. Yeah. Uh, in the back third, whereas in the beginning, it's very like, we're going here. We're going there. This is happening. New person, time portal holes. Yeah. Well, I think again, I, that. I really think yeah. that has to do with at the beginning of the book, Adam Warlock scenes as like a big hero take up a lot of spots. He really kind of hogs the beginning half of the book of like, I'm the big hero here. And him as a hero, is very boring. <laughs> so like, it's very obvious to me that the second half of this book, when he kind of switches sides, that was done to make him more interesting. 
<laughs> so yeah and also he's like so many people complain about characters being op he's definitely one of those ones that you kind of got to take him out of the mix for a while yeah. just to keep the other people in peril and give them real problems to solve no totally. so whether or not they were thinking okay we have to make him bad guy just to like open this up a bit it helped with making them have to solve problems in a different way mm-hmm yeah. Now, it, it's interesting you said Cosmo was your your favorite character to follow. Mine was actually Mantis. Without her, this whole team doesn't exist. And when she gets taken off the board for a while, that kind of weight is felt. Like, you see it in Quill. Like, he really has a problem not having her around to the point where Moondragon picks up on it right away because he seems he wants her to come to things because he needs a telepath, but she can feel that he's crestfallen, that Mantis isn't there. And so, like, aside from just also being the person that holds it together and being the person that put the suggestion in everybody's head at Quill's request, she's also the person that makes sure that Quill can actually do this job. And because of that, I found her really interesting in the book. Yeah. For, for special guest stars, I think I really enjoy the Inhumans here. The Inhumans were done very well. I, I enjoyed Blastar. I think Blastar really brought some humor into the book when he showed up. Because he was just like, yeah, I want to get the fuck out of here. Get me through that negative zone portal and let's get out to the, the Earth. Apparently there's a bunch of people I can kill there. Let's do it. And then later on when he's invited to be a part of the uh, kind of like universal UN type thing. The, the League of uh, Planets type thing. When he shows up, he's like, and the, the carnage breaks loose with almost an attempt on his life. He's just proud that like, yeah, they were going to kill me because I'm important. I'm important, guys. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, you're I, not bored. He's like, yes, I am. I'm important. So, he's having a great time. Yeah. And I love that for him. Yeah. I mean, it is hard sometimes to read things and I think, who would I cast as this? I mean, the obvious kind of Momoa because he's definitely giving like a Lobo energy. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, basically, I'd say almost any wrestler would be a good, <laughs> a good casting choice for Blastar. He was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even like the whole, the whole prison uprising and that battle. That was fun, too. Yeah, there's a lot of great moments once you get past that per- first third for me. Right. I get you. It just, yeah. And what yeah. was interesting, though, about it is that during this time, they continued to do cosmic events. War of Kings and Realm of Kings happened while this book was happening. And I felt like Abnett and Landing did a really good job of, like, touching on that and making that a part of their thing like giving it their own story because in this they deal with both the Inhumans and Vulcan of the Shi'ar Empire but their stories with those characters feel like their own like I did not feel like oh I have to go read War of Kings to understand this now it was like oh okay no 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 so this is how they interacted with this and yeah there's stuff happening on you know off camera here off panel that involves the Inhumans and and the the Shi'ar Empire but I don't need to read that we're just focusing on the Guardians interacting with these two teams trying to stop them fighting and that in itself is enough of a story, which I thought yeah. was done really well. Yeah, you're right. The side quests, if you will, at least those were more contained. Yeah. And I, I didn't have that feeling that I had in some of the more Terran-based secret invasion stuff. And definitely in Civil War where you know you're not getting the full meaning of an interaction without reading a whole other chunk of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And so, in a sense, this 25 series, although very much feels like it was cut short in that last issue, and you do feel kind of cheated that you don't get a full, like, conclusion at the end there, I felt this was a pretty strong series from beginning to end. Like, as you said, it was, it dragged a bit at the beginning, but once it picked up speed, I felt like they did a really good job of establishing not only their part of the universe, but also the interaction between the characters and wherever they went, it kind of like, at no point did I go, Oh, that, that was a bad choice. Why'd they do that? Each time it went, Oh, okay. Now this is what's happening with them now. Okay. So yeah. I, most of the characters got to do things that made sense for their character. Ronan got to do some accusing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he was good at it. Oh he yeah. Did, he did some great accusing there. Definitely. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I think it's, I think it's a series worth checking out, especially if you are a fan of the Guardians movies, because as I said, I have not seen the third one yet, but based on the trailers alone, you can tell that a lot of the visual look of this film is based on this series, as is some of the um, location and story choices. Like again, this is the movie where Adam Warlock's gonna be coming in. This is the movie where they're on Nowhere as their main base. The outfits, they st- they're wearing the weird conquistador outfits in this movie, so. Yeah, so I feel like if you end up liking how Guardians of the Galaxy 3 ended up and you want to get a comic of that equivalent, I'd say check out this 2008 to 2010 series by Abnett and Lanning. Yeah, just take your time with the first third. I think there's an omnibus out there that has it all together. Uh, but honestly, I don't think I could have read this on paper. Like I was zooming way the in on my device. Like well, I, I'm, even my, if I my had site this has physical, not gone yet, so I did read it in two volumes. Oh, look at you. Yes, yes. Had to hunt down the first volume. The second volume was easy to find. First volume, because I used to have these trades, but then I had to sell them because, well, I had to sell most of my things over the past decade due to money problems. We won't get into that. Rebuying them, it was hard to find the the first half of this. So I would probably say go digital on this Mm -hmm. just because you'll be able to easily read it at uh, Marvel Unlimited. So, yeah. Yeah, do a trial. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Or buy it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, or get a, get a free run yeah. and just read the 25 issues and then get off. Totally. Oh, man. Well, uh, overall, yeah, I think it's definitely a good good series to check out. Uh, we've come to the end of another back issue bloodbath. But Tula, where can the good folks find you? At Anatiff.com on Twitter, Highest Battable, Instagram, TikTok, at Obesacantavit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-A-T, and here with you. I feel like there's going to be more each week. Like I Yeah. <laughs> And I'm barely on some of those. Like some, it's like one post and I'm like, this is a lot. And that post is usually about back issue bloodbath. You betcha. Uh, exactly. And of course you can find everything I do over at geekartshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekart. Follow this very show on Facebook at back issue bloodbath. We'll repost the new episode every week, but the easiest way to make sure that you don't miss an episode is to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. Be it the iTunes, Apple podcast, Google podcast, that you're tuned in Spotify, wherever you catch your pods. And, you know, give us five stars. Give us a review. It helps. Tell people about it. Yeah, go out there and tell people about it. Like, you might only, you know what? You might be somebody that's like, I don't really talk to people. But even people who don't really talk to people, there's one person they talk to. There's one person. Go to that one person and say, hey, give back your blood bath a listen. And if they're like, what is that? What are you talking about? Just wink at them and smile and say, you know. This is my back your blood bath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petunio. Have yourself a good.